You're listening to Black Humboldt's new podcast, Black Aesthetic. And we're celebrating our love for Black arts and culture within Humboldt County. What up? This Queen D rocking this body from East Coast to Humboldt. Woo! Hey, this is Dilar, healing souls on the streets. K.M. Ross, popping shots, killing things, and making stuff. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Mo. Mom artist extraordinaire. Baby, baby. If peculiar perceives me, don't make any attachments on how I should be. Take time of clarity to know me. I'm denied your justice, but you give me a half house, some milk, and scrap health care. My merit is your welfare, and it brings me to my knees. They speak of freedom and justice in a democratic country, but it doesn't exist. Been trying to transform this darkness into light by speaking my truth of being and be at peace with my being, but get blocked by the system of white supremacist culture who don't allow the creation of diverse complexion purity be. 99.9% of human genetics is the same. We bleed the same color. We wear the mask they want us to wear and still we are not enough. My voice is not enough. Disparities, written by Everson and Lovell, Delilah Stowers, and Deanna Fletcher. This week, we're featuring Delilah and how she exists in Humboldt County. Hey, what's up, Black Humble? We have Delilah Stowers with us. What it do, Delilah? Hello. Hey, everybody. Delilah is a beautiful dancer, a choreographer, dance educator, and is a visual artist. Her particular medium is painting. And we're going to hear a little bit more about her work as an artist here in Humble County. So let's get started. Delilah, tell mm-hmm. us about um, your journey as becoming a dancer. Um, it all began at the age of four when I was introduced to West African movement in LA County through my first um, teacher named Omawale, who um, was more um, specific in teaching um, Southwestern Nigerian rhythms and more specifically Yoruba rhythms. And then it spread out to learning um, Senegalese rhythms from my second um, teacher who was named Nacho. And then after that, um, I began to learn many more um, West African rhythms from uh, many other um, African um, teachers. And then uh, that's where it all began. And then after that, it spread it out to um, ballet, tap, salsa, modern, um, hip hop, or any kind of um, dance styles that you can think of. And uh, yeah, so that's where it all began. And then it just kept expanding and it continues to, to expand as we speak. So when you were in LA, you took all of those mediums in your youth? Mm, yes. Was this something that you did extracurricular after school or did you do it during school? Um, what Were they like community programs? Uh, yes, it was more... Um, like a hobby or just like extra activities outside of school because the schools that I went to, they weren't really into um, the performing arts in general, which really um, truly sucked. But in the end, my mom really wanted me to uh, get into my African roots. And so almost every Saturday she would take me to a West African dance class. And um, 
in the beginning, I was really nervous because just the experience of how much energy was being exchanged between the dancers and, and the drummers was just really um, intense for me. So I was like, at first, really nervous and anxious. But then at one point, just being in the uh, classes a couple of times, I started to um, fade away the anxiety or the um, nervousness because I started to just like feel the rhythm and just like the downbeat of the drums and just being more comfortable being around everybody because I just knew the drummers and the dancers or just anyone within the community was just in peace and harmony and being together as one. And so I just started to open myself and wanting to be connected with that. Tell us about how dance still exists in your world and life today. So um, dancing will always exist within my life because I see it as a way to rebalance or to reconnect with my spirit, to reconnect with my elders, to reconnect with my ancestors and to truly connect with my spirit and to really understand myself in a very um, ancient way because when it comes to dancing, it's a, um, another form of communication. It's another language rather than to use words, which is way more powerful because you're using your whole body internally and externally. And um, so I just carry that um, energy with me um, all the time. And uh, so dancing is always going to be within me and around me throughout my life because it um, exchanged a lot of, of knowledge that can go back to uh, many, 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 many years ago to the point where we weren't even beginning to write, we weren't even to be able to speak um, like clear words. We're just saying uh, uh, as a communication, but back in times, we're always using our bodies, movements to communicate how we feel amongst ourselves and amongst each other and as a community or as, as a family or overall. What was your experience at Humble State University like? Uh, you were a dance major, right? Uh, in the beginning, no, I was not a dance, a dance major. I first came to HSU as uh, wanting to pursue in zoology. But um, at one point, I just lost interest because overall, I really know how to communicate with animals through my perspective. And just to learn their knowledge through the um, European um point of view it was just too much for me to handle so I started to look deeply within myself and I asked what am I truly passionate about what truly brings me happiness and then I was like dance and I always feel good when I'm dancing and I would love to dive deeper and actually pursue it as a career and so during my senior year at HSU I switched to dance studies and I completed my um, bachelor's degree the next year because um, throughout my uh, five years at HSUs, I was taking the dance classes that were part of the dance studies um, program. So, yeah. Um, Girl, yes, you better be it, on top of your game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was so uh, overwhelmed that I was going to be done with me year after I switched. I was like, yes, I'm out. I am. And on top of that, I'm doing things that I'm going to be love doing and I'm going to have deep passion and sharing my knowledge towards young generations or generations that are older than us and or just to anybody because when it comes to dancing and sharing your passion you're not going to care about the external objects of money or anything because what you're going to give is going to bring you happiness and peace regardless 
of what external objects you're going to be given. Can we not skip over the fact that you were going to go to college for zoology? Are you like really into animals at all or? Yes. Um, at a young age, I was taking care of a lot of stray cats when I was living back in um, Pasadena, LA County. And my mom was um, stunned at how um, comfortable I was taking care of stray cats and how close I was able to get with cats and how um, cats were able to interact with me. And so she gave me the thought of wanting to become a veterinarian. And so I started to pursue that path. But then when I came up here and started to take the um, upper division classes, it's like it was just so much to acknowledge and it, it was just too much. They're just giving us so much information that was, from my point of view, not necessary in a type of way. Because for me, to heal animals, I would say I would heal them by feeding them the right nutrients that they need in order for them to heal. And then with human healthy touch by massages. So that's my way of communicating with animals and just socializing with them and just exchanging, exchange, um, exchanging um, energy. So that was my view on on healing animals and helping them rather than to cut them open and doing surgery and using instruments that can easily get infected and contaminated that it would actually kill them and all of that. So I wasn't really into just diving into that type of um, realm. So yeah, that was my path before then I switched to um, the arts of dancing. That's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. I have a lot to express and to not be afraid to express my truth nowadays. So there's a lot of, of mystery of me. So I'm willing to share. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of the sciences are based off of European stuff. Like I was taking, I was taking botany at, at Humboldt state and I think it was like, I think the name is Carl Linnaeus, who they were quoting with like the the classification of species. And like, that's like one of the dudes that was studying eugenics as well. <laughs> so no mention of that part of his work, but the whole foundation of like botany and I think it's plant tax, don't quote me on that, but it's like, it's founded off of this guy that was a... Uh, I, devoted racist. <laughs> to say the least, a person a person bent off of trying to prove it through science. Wow. Of, you know, like brain capacities, the skulls and like that kind of stuff. He's one of those folk. <laughs> so... I mean, whenever I talk about racism, it's really just like this. It's everywhere. It's literally everywhere. You think of some. You think of a place. You think of an entity. It's there. It is there. Um, anything you know? I say anything before 1965. I don't trust it. And that's even. That's putting it nicely. Yeah. Did you hear this? Um... There's a new curriculum called 1619, and ultimately it's a group of Black folk who are rewriting the way that history books are talking about slavery and, like, switching the narrative to a more, like, realistic approach and, you know, teaching kids that 
we're, we're not just going to forget it happened or sugarcoat it. Like we're, we're going to teach slavery um, and take it further than just like Christopher, yeah, Christopher Columbus, because apparently he wasn't, you know, 1619 is when we first saw slaves being brought to Virginia, I guess, but they weren't the first slaves brought to the Americas. And so this is just a dope fire idea, right? Black educators taking the forefront. And then Trump was like, kind of pulled his little card and was like, any school that adopts this curriculum, unfunded. We're just, we're, we're not doing that. We're not, we're not retelling history properly. <laughs> we're just going to keep this going. Of course, he's going to do that. Tell us a little bit about um, some current projects you're working on right now, or even if they were recent projects in the past. Um, so I recently have been doing a lot of projects with the beginning of this year. For example, um, back in the end of May, uh, did a collaboration work with um, a grad student, Adele Arte, um, titled Disparities by Everson and Lovu, which is my first ever um, theater arts collaboration production that I ever done. And I'm truly grateful because I've been wanting to express my truth in a very artistic matter, whether it's poetry, through dancing, or just through um, through uh, um, art, whether it was through poetry, dancing, or just by um, advocating my truth and how um, what we're truly passionate about and what we want to make a change or make people notice uh, of what uh, people of color experience within our past and what we're experiencing right now due to um, basically our parents are, and our way of living. And um, so I'm truly grateful to have that opportunity. Can you tell us about a little bit more about your experience working with Del Arte International during disparities, what what did you experience in lieu of being on Everson and Logo's project with the staff? Um, so having the meetings with the staff, it was um, overall frustrating because very few um, were able to understand our truth and wanting, um, what we wanted to express within the production. And... Um, uh, it was very draining because um, even though we were um, expressing our truth, I just got the sense that most of the staff um, just didn't have the open heart to uh, to uh, hear our truth because they're always asking this question like saying, um, what did you mean by this particular section of what you were um, doing in this um, piece? And then for us to explain it, uh, we explained um, the question that they asked, and then they just keep continuing asking questions when we already answered that, um, we already um, answered it. And so it just brought a lot of frustration that they couldn't um, truly understand what we were trying to express because they have not experienced it. And because they don't like, they haven't experienced it, they can't have the open heart to understand it when really. You don't have to have the experience to understand someone's um, truth, really. You just have to have open heart empathy, really, in order to understand. 
one thing that I was not shocked is that um, the production of Disparities have brought a lot of um, discomfort amongst the audience, which um, the people, um, which uh, um, that was our goal to make people feel um, uncomfortable because when it comes to speaking the truth, it is going to be uncomfortable. It is going to be very dark. And um, so it was a, it was um, a challenging experience to work with the staff at Del Arte because they're not familiar with um, the darkening of what people people of color experience because they don't want to acknowledge it. Um, uh, overall, it was kind of, it was just frustrating to um, communicate with the staff at Del Arte at times, but there were, there were only a few who um, were trying to understand and trying to see our truth and have the empathy and to uh, feel what we feel. Mo has an experience, El Arte, but like based on the shit that I say, I always- The way know. that you and every single black, brown, lick of brown, People could be like, they didn't even know I was brown until whatever, you know, every single person, even just like observant white folks <laughs> have been like that space. And I'm like, that's wild. Disparities was a really great project to work on with you, Delilah. And Mo, you don't know this, but I used to reference you a lot to help Delilah to um dig into her um, character research, background research, you know, the after thing we do. And I used to reference you because you both have white moms, but you also, and you share that dichotomy of what it is to be constantly battling with the world about your blackness. Um, and you remember that Delilah, right? I will always reference Mo. <laughs> and I just wanted to say that, like, because I think it's beautiful that um, one, I'm understanding what it means to really listen, and then two, to really help to put stories forth that might not be my own, and that's what's important. So um, I just wanted to say that. Yes, that light skin life. What is identity? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> exactly, it's a thing. It's then like put a- like <laughs> dramatic teenage and art artsy. Like not only was I an art kid, I was also just melodramatic. And like romanticizing sadness as a as a teenager, <laughs> and then also having an identity crisis. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, how do you find? And you both can answer this. How do you find identity in your art as a black and brown artist? I feel like when I was younger, that was the center of most of my creation was to tell a story about an identity struggle and and what it looked like for me. And because I lived like this double life where I went to an all white school in a really like rich white town, but I lived, you know, 45 minutes away in the inner city. It was like, I was so confused by everything all the time. And I used to just retell those stories, like the racism I would see in one half of my life and then the the like other side of it where people would be like but you light skin like you it's great for you and I'd be like where <laughs> you know and then 
when you get older, you realize that everyone goes through that same thing and some, whether it be related to race or not, and that it becomes a, a different perspective, I guess, in telling that story. But if you like read my poetry or my performance pieces that I was creating at that age, it was normally having these inner battles with how can I identify myself into a a phase of like no longer needing to identify myself. Like words were so defining when I was younger or now it's like, I'm actually just existing and I hold many different identities instead of one single word or label. I don't know why humans are like addicted to labels so much. Um, I can relate that to what you just said um, in stating that um, I we are more than just one label. We're, we are uh, a complexion of many things. We are, we are creations of many things. We're not just one specific thing because when it comes to labels, people just have all these assumptions and how that label um, affects how that person should be when that's not the case because we're constantly changing and evolving and trying to figure out who we are. And because of the labels, we're just, so many people are just um, fixated on that um, meaning and, and the, uh, because of that uh, specific definition, when people don't actually define that definition, they get discriminated or excluded and um, it just causes a lot of disruption and separation and division when people don't take the time to actually know someone through clarity by personality. They just are so quick to make assumptions by someone's appearance rather than to take the time of getting to know someone. And um, throughout my whole childhood, I was always confused and like why people were just getting so much arguments on how someone looks and um, the one question that really upset me and really frustrated me is that every time I walk around with my mom and then someone just comes up to me and saying, or looks at me and saying, oh, is this your daughter? Is she, was she adopted? And I'm like, uh, can you please open your mind to thinking that my dad and my mom were actually together and that my dad was black and that's how I was created? Can you just have that one perspective of thought in your mind rather than to jump into thinking, oh, I was adopted because I have a different skin tone than my mom. Yeah, I think it makes so... And when I was a kid, it made perfect sense to me where I was like, my father's extremely dark-skinned and my mother's extremely light and I'm right in the middle. So it would make sense that they would mix together to make Mm -hmm. me. And my hair is like halfway between the two. Like it all made sense and I was like a child. So I used to be like, why can't these other like adults fathom this? Like... (laughs) Yeah, and but um, if people were to see me with my dad, then people won't ask any questions. But if I was with my mom, I would get looks. Uh, people would just say the most uh, unwise questions without just thinking, really. <laughs> so it's like, I can't <laughs> just pause for one second, please. Um, so, yeah. So with that experience, I really started to like look within people and just to be more connected by energies by spiritualities rather than just to look by appearance and wanting to connect with people because that's how I truly connect with myself I connect with myself through like um, spirituality through energy because um 
through um, energy, it's complex or it's connected with our feelings and our feelings are com connected with our personality. And, um, and that just shows who we are. And um, it would be, so many people will be surprised on how much all of us have in common when we speak our truth amongst feelings rather than to block it and just saying, oh, I'm this, this because of my appearance. Um, um, so within my art, I always um, express that kind of, um, that kind of thought and saying, look within someone's spirit because it's just a mixture of all colors rather than one kind of uh, color that has so much labels that don't relate to who they are really. Um, because within my art, it's mostly um, of painting, it's abstract. And uh, with abstract paintings, you can't obviously pinpoint what that painting means unless you ask the artist, the um, person who actually created what it means, as it can tell so much uh, within it. Uh, and from that, I collaborated with Black Humble through Duteenth um, doing a performance. And um, right now I'm currently collaborating with um, Youth Art Will Succeed, uh, which is a nonprofit organization. And uh, I am collaborating with other um, POC local artists in expressing our truth of experience living in Humboldt County. And um, that production will be presented in October at the Arcata Playhouse. And then just recently, um, just yesterday, I began to speak with board members at Redwood Racks in hopes to being a dance teacher in this coming fall. So that's basically the um, recent projects that I've done and currently working on right now. So I know you've worked locally at many different um, projects, dance studios here. Uh, what tell us about the last studio you were working at and if you're still there so um about a year ago into uh september 2019 i was hired at north coast dance um which is in eureka into being a dance teacher in uh for hip-hop and then it expanded uh in the following year of 2020 in teaching ballet three um i was really happy that they had given me the opportunity and, um, uh, but in the back of my, but, um, I just got a deep, um, feeling that I wasn't truly accepted there because, um, it was very few, uh, people of color within that, um, community. It was mostly dominated by white people. And, um, Every time I was in that studio, I was always giving this look or I was setting this energy of like, I don't belong there. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I didn't really feel that comfortable. Um, and uh, people um, working there showed their true colors when the COVID broke out as I was laid off um, in March. And they recently just reopened and I was not called back and asking if I wanted to teach hip hop again. So uh, I was hurt in the beginning and angry that they didn't um, 
asked me if I wanted to come back again, but at the same time, I'm actually quite happy and grateful that they didn't ask me because I had the sense that I truly couldn't express my pa- my passion in dancing um, because they just didn't have the open heart to truly um, uh, acknowledge my vision of like of hip hop because I wanted to infuse a bit a little bit of West African movement, but they just weren't really um, wanting to get into that, which kind of like disconnected me more with that company. Um, uh, but overall, I'm happy that I'm not working there anymore because now um, Rodeo Rax has asked me to uh, work, if I could work with them in wanting to be uh, be part of teaching that West, Af- West African dance class and any other dance class um, that I would be uh, intrigued in teaching because uh, as I had a board meeting just yesterday and we were talking about ideas on what classes I could teach. And um, so I hope I can have the opportunities to be teaching um, the West African dance class in collaboration with um, Emily and to uh, also teach hip hop and uh, a fusion of modern and West African put together and ballet. Do you feel like Redwood Racks hiring black and brown teachers is the answer to their problems? Do you feel like that's enough to unlearn and unpack their issues of institutional bias? No, but it's a beginning. It's a start. It's it's a start on solving the problems, but it's not going to solve the full uh, picture of the problems that they are in uh, that they are facing. Yeah, because I think it's super important that those spaces become internally safe before you bring black and brown bodies into them. And it seems like they want to do the opposite order where they want to bring in the bodies before they lock down the space as being actually inclusive. Okay. But I was just saying, like, not to counteract what you're saying, that's just what I see as someone who has tried to be in that space and like wasn't feeling it. Mm-hmm. But then when BLM went down and the county's upset and people are finally speaking up, I get like a letter in my inbox. Do you feel like you've been able to navigate space as a black and brown artist and humble? Or do you feel like you're not commissioned or used enough and paid well enough here? Do you feel like there could be more opportunity made for you, whether it's in space or monetary um capacity yeah uh well for starters um no i don't think um black artists are paid well enough in expressing the truth um through the forms of art because um for me personally uh when i was working at um, north coast dance um my first interview the lady was telling me that she was going to pay me at least um fifteen dollars per hour me teaching there and then I looked at my pay I got my first paycheck wait a minute before we get to what was on the paycheck $15 Mm -hmm. an hour Mm -hmm. all right continue 
but it gets worse. Um, when I got when I first got my paycheck and I did my calculations, I was only being paid twelve dollars per hour. I want to know what you did because I would have went off. But some I'm, people will be like, "Oh, maybe this is a mistake." Like, let me. I would have been right up in there. Like, um, you missed three dollars. I, I at first I wanted to go back and uh, confront, like saying, "Hey, you told me at first you're going to pay me fifteen dollars, but now you're only you're only paying me twelve. But in the end, I was I, I told myself I didn't want to start any drama. I'm I'm here to express my passion of dancing with the community. I'm not here for the money. And so, if you want to just do what um, in the end, when it comes to money, it's not something that I'm wanting to grasp into. Are you saying that as the past Delilah or the present Delilah? Oh, I, uh, that's been the same for me ever since I started to uh, be in the um, working economy within the U.S. Market. Okay, let's have a conversation. You are worth more than $15 an hour. You are... Um, you're worth more than $15 an hour. And that is what you do professionally. I don't care if you were a doctor, a nail manicurist, a garbage man, a cable man, a councilwoman, whatever. You deserve to be paid for your time. You know, this is not a hobby for you. You've trained all your life for this. You went to college for this you practice this daily and that's evident on your social media you deserve more than 15 dollars an hour and and um i also want to address the thing that you said which is you didn't want to start drama you know that sounds like a post-traumatic slave syndrome and, and we need to continue to work on, and I'm guilty of this myself, imposter syndrome. Whether you're a novice or an expert, you are worth your time for anybody in anybody's organization. Yeah, overall, I don't think uh, Black artists are being paid enough for their time in expressing their truth through the forms of art. I guess the only thing I have to ask, just because I know um, the setting for the youth arts will succeed. Just like what kind of things are you feeling differently creating in a room full of black and brown people? Um, it's more, um, it's, it's more safe. It's more peaceful. It's, um, we're able to feel comfortable in expressing our truth without any sense of, um, our, our truth is going to be used against us or, and people understand us and they actually hear us. And, um, and uh, just uh, within our first rehearsal uh, last Saturday, we were able to create um, something so quickly because all so much ideas just started to uprise and to interlock in a very, um, uh, very smooth way. And so when you, uh, just working with black and brown people, it's it's more um, peaceful in working with them. There's not much of conflict. And if there were a conflict, we're not afraid to um, have an open conflict conversation and wanting to solve that problem compared with other people. Like 
um, more specifically white people when it comes to open um, conflict conversation, just like, um, well, um, um, and they just start to go into defense mode and they start to yell and just saying, or do, do I need to do this and this to you in order for you not to do that? It's like, I'm not trying to cause any drama here. I just want to solve the problem. That's all I want to do. And um, so just working with um, black, um, black and brown people, it's way more peaceful. And uh, I feel more um, open in being myself rather than to put on a mask and saying, okay, I need to be this person today. I can truly just take off the mask and show my true colors. So thank you so much, Delilah, for being on the podcast. Can you tell us where we can find you on all your socials or website, any any media? You can find me on social media through Instagram at E-L-I-L-A-V, as in Victor, E-R-O-N-I-K-U-E, and on Facebook as my full name, Delilah Stivers. Thank you so much, Delilah, for being on the podcast. You are such a light. I consider you a light worker, my light worker sister. And I'm honored that you are in my journey or I've met you on my journey. And um, I'm so glad that you and Mo got to share, um, share some personal similar experiences as black and brown women existing in Humboldt County. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Delilah. It was really fun to talk and get to know you more than I already do. Thank you. Thanks, y'all, for listening to The Black Aesthetic. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and tune in every Wednesday. Follow us on all socials at Black Humboldt and check out our website at www.blackhumboldt.com. If you want to send some love and feedback, email us at blackhumboldt at gmail.com. And make sure to use the hashtag Black Humble Aesthetic, B-L-A-C-K-H-U-M-B-O-L-D-T-A-E-S-T-H-E-T-I-C on social media. Until next time, continue to walk in your Black excellence.